0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, church family. Pastor Rick here, and I just want to welcome you, those who are in the house, and those who are listening online today we continue in our message that we are calling Reboot Your PC, or Reboot Your Personal Commitment. Now, we thought this was a great time of year since everybody's making New Year's resolutions to begin with this type of a message. So far, we've covered how to make a factory reset, Pastor Sean, and VPNs, which are virtual private networks. Learned a lot. Thank you, Pastor Sean, on that one. And then we also covered cybersecurity, And today, we're gonna be talking about servers. Someone say servers. Now, like I said last week, I'm not particularly up on all the IT lingo, like Pastor Sean is and other people are. So we went ahead and we looked up the technical definitions for server, and we found two. The second definition said, a computer or computer program which manages access to a centralized resource or service in a network. And most businesses have some type of, or some form of a server that serves them by keeping their info in a hopefully safe place, um, unless you get hacked by some kind of ransomware uh, people that are out there. That happened to us a few years ago, and they basically steal your material or lock up your material and then they want you to pay to get it unlocked. Thank God that uh, we had the foresight to have our stuff already backed up. Thank, and thank you, Pastor Sean, for that as well. Today, much is being backed up on the cloud. And again, that's not gonna be my focus for this morning's message, it's not my purview. My focus is gonna be on the first definition. And the first definition says, I want you to read it with me. A server is a person or thing that provides a service or a commodity. Let me read that again. A person or a thing that provides a service or a commodity. Now, I want us to look at that definition in light of the scriptures of what Jesus says about servanthood. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, he said, the greatest among you will be your, help me out somebody, servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In Mark chapter 10, he said something similar. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, he called them together and he said, you know, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your, what's the word? Servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man, which is a reference to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I want you to keep that, that, you know, in the back of your mind. We're going to be circling back to that particular idea. But today, I want to pick up kind of where we left off last week in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And this is what it said. It said, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Again, turn to someone and say, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. It went on to say, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Now, question, when should we do good? It says whenever we have opportunity. Someone say opportunity. To whom should we do good? We should do good to everyone, but it gives a caveat, it gives an especially, especially to those who are in the family of faith or or who are Christ followers. In other words, treat your family, your family should get special treatment, amen? Jesus had a lot to say about service. Again, he said that the greatest of you will serve, but he also told us a story, and we all are familiar with this story, it's called the Good Samaritan. Uh, um, we find it in Luke chapter 10. A guy basically was walking along the the path, and he gets robbed, and he gets beaten, and he gets left for dead on the side of the road. Along comes his fellow countrymen, who happen to be religious folks as well. In other words, they were church-going people. The Bible says in his story it's a priest uh, and a Levite, someone who worked in the church. They see him, and what do they do? Instead of helping him out, They walk on the other side of the road, and they keep going. They basically leave him for dead. But Jesus chooses for us a hero of the story, an unlikely hero, a a Samaritan. A Samaritan would have been someone who would would have been despised by the Jews, as the text reflects. But he, he did something that was totally opposite of what everyone else did. Let's take a look at what he did in the scripture. Luke chapter 10, verse 33. It says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm in here. And then Jesus asked this interesting question, this profound question. Luke chapter 10, verse 36 and 37. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Yes, now go and do the same. So the difference between the priests And the Levite and the Samaritan, the Samaritan, who wasn't, again, even a Jew, he had compassion for the man by showing him mercy. And his compassion led him to do something. I'm going somewhere this morning. I need you to pay attention. And so Jesus said in verse 37, something we all need to hear and to heed. He said, go and do the same. Go and do the same because therein lies the practical servant aspect of rebooting your PC or your personal commitment for this year. It's called service. Can I get an amen? Amen. The Good Samaritan actually did three things that I want to point out this morning, three things that every single one of us should consider doing to reboot our personal commitment at the beginning of this year. Number one, and this is gonna be profound, when he saw a problem, he didn't just walk by it. What did he do? He stopped. He just simply stopped. Now folks, I know we live in a busy world, a world that is kind of upside down at this moment. In fact, nobody wants to stop for anybody because of what's going on in the world. But we we shouldn't be so busy that we refuse to let God interrupt us from time to time. Can I get an amen on that one? We shouldn't be so busy. And when Jesus talks about our neighbor He made it very clear who our neighbor is. It's the person who you literally have to walk across the street to avoid. I'm talking to someone out there. That's who he is, that's who she is. And we all got neighbors like that, right? Or or, or it could be that person in your office that needs somebody to listen to them, or that obnoxious person in that small group that talks all the time and drives everybody crazy and if you're having a hard time figuring out who that person is it may be you. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Now if you invited that person to church today, don't mention any names. Okay? So the Good Samaritan didn't do what the others did. He actually stopped, he bandaged his wounds, he pulled out oil and wine, he set him on his own animal, he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And on the next day, someone say the next day. Picture that. It it wasn't something that was just brief. But the next day when he departed, he takes out two silver coins, gives them to the innkeeper, and he says, take care of him. And whatever you spend when I come back, I will repay you. So something worth noting, a couple, of three things. Listen to me this morning. He didn't have to quit his job to do this. He didn't have to make a commitment to a full-time ministry to do this, and he didn't have to empty out his bank account to do this. Come on, somebody. Was it a sacrifice? Yes, it was, but it wasn't everything he owned. He basically gave what he had at the time, and then he went back to work. He allowed for a God moment to help someone in need I'm talking to someone out there this morning, because listen to me at this point, what is God asking us to do? What is he expecting of us? Just go into your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, your college, and be his compassionate hands, his heart, and be his feet. The first thing he did, the Good Samaritan did, was he stopped. He stopped. The second thing is just as profound, and we talked about this before. He got off his donkey. He got off his donkey. Now, let me say it again. Well, let me say it in the way that the King James would have used it. He got off his beast. That's the word. I don't know where some of your minds went. Yeah, I kind of do. But that's where he went. He got off his beast. He got off his beast, he got off his donkey, and he put the guy on top of it. And I think we can all just get off our donkeys if we can get to that place and stop making excuses as to why we can't help that person next to us or why we won't do something that the Lord is leading us to do. I I know this world is dark. I know we're having a difficult time. But instead of cursing the darkness, what we ought to be doing is, someone said, light a candle. Amen? Light a candle. If we'd all would light a candle before we know it, we are fulfilling the plans that God has for us. Do something, amen? So the first thing he did was he stopped. The second thing he did was he got off his beast. (laughs) And the third thing he did was he simply shared what he had. He shared what he had. He picks the guy up, he cleans him up, he takes him to the inn, He gives them a little bit of a down payment. And then we have the second most important phrase in there. He says, listen to me, when I come again, when I come again, and that speaks to me of relationship. Someone said it this way, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen? And the mission of a witness is about relationship. Don't ever forget that. James 2, 14 through 17 says this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day and stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So to summarize what God is asking us to do this morning, Jesus tells this story and he gives us an outline called the Good Samaritan. And basically he says he stopped. So to take note of what the scripture said, whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of God. And so my question to you this morning is, are you too busy for God's promptings to stop? And if you're too busy for God, then you're just too busy. Come on somebody, stop making excuses. Number two, we need to get off our donkeys. Some of us are riding so high on our donkeys that we don't see what's going on right in front of us. We are literally stepping over the opportunities that God has given us. We're stepping over them, we are stepping past them, we're stepping around them, but we're not doing what God is asking us to do. So we need to come down, we need to get off our donkeys, we need we need to allow our hands and our feet to become God's hands and His feet, especially for such a time as now. Like my friend who saw that we had an issue with one of our appliances at my house, and he came to our house and immediately he went to work and he fixed the problem. He came a couple of times to fix it, ordered the part, came back to fix it. And when I tried to offer him a little bit of money, he said, no, Pastor Rick, this, this is me doing what I can. This is me taking my you know, gifts and doing what I can. And so to that friend, I want to say thank you. Thank you this morning. Truth is, we all have opportunities to do good if we're listening and we're looking. We can bless God by blessing each other, amen? And number three, God is not asking you to give what you don't have. He isn't even asking you to give all of what you have. He's asking you to give some of what you have. Does that make sense? To share what he's given you. And don't come back and say, Pastor Rick, you know, God, has, I don't have anything. Who can say God has given them nothing? No one can say that. No one can say that. He gives us stuff. He gives us resources. He gives us talents. He gives us abilities. He gives us time. He gives us the gifts of the Spirit. Patience. Come on, somebody. There's a lot that you can give if you would just open up your heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And let Christ be our example if we want to reboot our PC or reboot our personal commitment in this area of service. Now, what did Jesus do? The Bible says he didn't come to serve or to be served, but to serve. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. In other words, he gave his life for every single one of us. That was his act of service to us. He fulfilled his mission on this planet. Are you going to do that? Are you going to fulfill your mission on this planet? If you are, you're going to be a servant to all. Let's take a time and pray and then we're going to take communion right after this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we submit ourselves to you. Help us be open to what you're asking us to do, stopping, getting off our donkeys, and giving what we have in service to you and to others. Today, Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Now, in terms of communion, you were given one of these on your way in. And if you're watching online, you just prepare your communion. All you need is bread and some form of juice. But this is what the scripture says. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Take and eat." In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it, for every time you eat the bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Take and drink. Father, we thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the example of servanthood that you gave to every single one of us. Help us, Father, not to just let it go in one ear and out the other. But, Father, help us to reboot our personal commitment in this area of service. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast, if you haven't already, and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So, thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.